Hi guys, Tomo Lovrick and Sean Quigley here from What's Going On Here, the podcast. You can find us on iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, Player FM, Pod Directory, and Blueberry. So tune in and have some fun. Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, to another episode of What's Going On Here. My name is Tomo Lovrick, and uh, also known as T Love in Wainwright circles. Oh. And with me, as uh, um, usual, I have a young, dashing, dangerous yet mysterious, always, um, always curious, Mister Young Sean Quigley, aka. The Quig, as he's known in Steve Door circles. Mm-hmm. How are you, sir? Pretty good. Yeah. Yeah, not too bad. Yeah. I'm. Uh, yeah, I'm. I'm. I'm okay. Okay. Nice and calm. No. <laughs> mellowed out now yeah, a little yeah, bit. Yeah, I've mellowed out. Okay, excellent. Okay. All right. Well, folks, uh, for those of you that don't know, uh, we what we do is as a show, we watch a TV show or movie that few people have seen or heard of. Uh, we prefer to pick foreign language. Uh, TV shows, movies, and then turn off all subtitles or any audio dub over. And then we watch the middle 20 minutes and try to figure out what's going on here. At the same time, we review adult beverages. And um, this episode, episode 57, I believe, yeah. What we are doing is we are in our second episode of a multi-episode arc. We're doing the brackets. The 2019 What's Going On Here Best Tournament. And for those of you that follow us, last year we did Best Superhero Movies, uh-huh. and this year we're doing the Bond Movies. And now the Bond Movies are tricky because there's 26 of them, 24 official, uh, 22 uh, unofficial, so there's 26. So getting those numbers for the brackets down is a little bit odd, but we have consulted with the Los Alamos National Laboratory, and they gave us the best uh, way to set this up, and we did that. So there's two entry playoffs into the lower tier brackets. Um... We did those on the last episode, episode 56, and the entry playoff was A License to Kill with Timothy Dalton, Dalton versus Casino Royale from 1967 with David Niven. A uh, License to Kill went on there. <clears throat> and then License to Kill, uh, which was Casino Royale with David Niven, was ranked number 26, License to Kill 25, and we've uh, given the rankings according to how much money they made, which of course was adjusted for inflation. So, License to Kill, number 25, went off to face A View to a Kill with Roger Moore from 1985. That was number 24. And we gave the nod to A View to a Kill. So, A View to a Kill made it to the lower tier brackets. And we have the M region, being that he was James Bond's boss. And the Money Money Penny region, being that it was just Money Penny and she's a classic. So, what we have is number 21 versus number 24. For Your Eyes Only, Roger Moore, 1981 versus... A View to a Kill, Roger Moore, 1985. Uh, Number 19 versus 22, The Man with the Golden Gun, Roger Moore, 1974. Versus Octopussy, Roger Moore, 1983. Um, And in the Moneypenny region, we have Dr. No, Sean Connery, 1962. Versus Never Say Never Again, Sean Connery, 1983. 
Those are 20 and 21 respectively. And our last bracket is Tomorrow Never Dies, Pierce Brosnan, 97, versus The Living Daylights, Timothy Dalton, 1987. And what happens then is the M region winner and the Money Penny region winner will go on into another entry playoff where they will go against the 16 and the 15 seed, which happened to be The World Is Not Enough by Pierce Brosnan and On Her Majesty's Secret Service with George Lazenby from 1969. That's how the lower brackets are done. And then whoever wins that entry playoff goes on to the Sweet 16 where the other top 16 movies are. Yeah. And last episode, like I said, we determined A View to a Kill makes it into the lower tier brackets. So, my friend... But first, the, the star of the show, which I forgot to mention, is what are we drinking today? Yes. And we still, we still haven't uh, 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 gotten the gumption or the supplies, I should say, and that's my doing, to do the James Bond martini, which we're going to try with a couple of different gins, maybe a couple of different vodkas, mm-hmm. see what we like better. But right now, we are testing Oasis Dry Cider, which has a very like cult-like picture on the front. So it looks like it's an organization that James Bond would would investigate. There's like the Eye of Ra or whatever. Yeah, that's like the Illuminati. Il- yeah, yeah, yeah. It's yeah, on yeah. the dollar bill as well. Yeah, it, it, it's true. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because uh, what's his name was uh, a Mason and then stuck it on the, the dollar bill. That's right, Washington. And this is a 6.7% um, ABV. There's no IBUs because it's a cider. And we're going to taste this sucker and see how it goes. It's a lovely... It's a lovely <clears throat> amber, a light amber color, not too fizzy, and it's dry. And it's... That's very nice. This beer is, on the can it says Prospect Cider Works, but you look it up, it's the Harvard Cider Company out of Boston, Massachusetts. Mm. And it says, Oasis is a dry cider built on soft natural acidity. When making Oasis, we allow our Belgian ale yeast to run its course over an extended fermentation period. Oasis is then conditioned on the lees with oak, resulting in a crisp modern cider with traditional roots. This is a very nice cider. It's not too sweet. If you're not a fan of all the sweetness the cider provides, this is your cider. This is like an unsweetened apple juice. It's not too carbonated either. And I, in not in a million years would I guess that this was 6.7%. But it's very palatable. In England, there's so many different ciders. Cider is very big in England, but right. you get like the proper cider. We think of it as the farmer's cider. We, it's called scrumpy. Uh-huh. And that stuff is like, it's not fizzy uh-huh. at all. Right. And it's usually served kind of room temperature. Right. And there's bits in it. And it usually just tastes like paint stripper. <laughs> wait, 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 wait. You mean the chemical or like a stripper that like you oh. peel the paint off her? <laughs> not that, not okay. that, no. Yeah. This is a nice cider, man. This is yeah. really nice. I'm re- I I think I'm definitely adding this to my especially for like a summer barbecue. Yeah. This is so light. This is so light. This is the best cider I've had in a long time. I've not, I like, I mean, I haven't drunk cider by choice in a long time. Um, but this, this is, this is, this is very nice. This is very, very nice. This is a surprisingly, very, very pleasantly surprising yeah. cider. This is very, very nice. All right. Well, let's get into our brackets then, shall we? Indeed. 
Uh, so which which region you want to go to first? M region or Money Penny region? We'll go for Money Penny. Money Penny? Okay. Yeah. All right. So then, our first one up in the Money Penny region, and you guys can play along at home. Uh, you want to send us your brackets to what's going on here podcast at gmail.com or DM us on our Facebook page or IG, whichever. So that's in the right hand side of the lower tier bracket, Money Penny region. We have number 20, Dr. No, Sean Connery's initial foray into James Bond and the first James Bond movie, versus Never Say Never Again, ironically enough, uh-huh. Sean Connery's last movie, yeah. which. And this is just crazy. I still, I mean, I know we mentioned it in the last episode. 21 years after the fact that he started his first James Bond, he's in his last James Bond. Yeah. That's nuts. Yeah, it is, it is crazy. It's crazy. So, Dr. No versus Never Say Never Again. Now, Never Say Never Again, for those people that don't know, is an unofficial Bond movie because, um, Eon Productions, which does it, which is your Broccoli's and Saltzman's that produced all the James Bond movies, uh, they did not condone that. However, one of the guys who wrote Dr. No, the novelist, and I forget his name now. What's that? Thunderbolt, not Dr. No. No, Thunderbolt, yeah. correct. Yes, yes. He retained the rights to, to, the, to, the, to the novel, the movie-making rights, and he made basically Never Say Never Again is a remake of Thunderbolt, just not in the official capacity. Yeah. So, um, Dr. No, that one obviously had Sean Connery. And it came out the same year as another Bond. Uh, never said never again. It came out the same year as Living Daylights, I think. No, not Living Daylights. Uh, Majesty, no. Uh, 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 Octopussy. Octopussy. Octopussy, 83. Both of them came out yeah. in, in 83. Yeah. So, the main uh, uh, characters in Dr. No... Sean Connery, obviously. Ursula Andress as Honey Rider. Um, Joseph Wiseman. Bernard Lee, who was M for a long time in a oh. bunch of movies. Zena Marshall as Miss Taro. Jack Lord, for those of you that that name sounds familiar, from Hawaii Five O, He plays Felix Leiter. Eunice Grayson plays Sylvia Trench. Lois Maxwell is Miss Moneypenny, who is Miss Moneypenny... All the way through um, Roger Moore. Yeah. Anthony Dawson plays Professor Dent. John Kitzmiller plays Quarrel. Peter Burton plays Q. Okay, so so Llewellyn wasn't in the first. No, uh, no. he was in the second. He was in I th- Russia he was from Russia with Love. Correct, one. correct. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, and a bunch of other side actors that have like credits and whatever. And Never Say Never Again was obviously um, Connery. It was, um, what's her name? Kim Bassinger. Let's see. Let let me look up the full cast. There's the guy, and I forget if he's German or or French, who was the bad guy in that movie. He was popular in a bunch of 80s movies for a while. Klaus Maria Brandauer. He played Maximilian Largo. Uh, Barbara Carrera was in it, very famously. Max von Sydow, who played Blofeld. Uh Uh, Rowan Atkinson played uh, Nigel Small. What is it? Rowan Atkinson is in that movie? Yeah, famously he was in in one of the Bond movies. 
Bernie Casey plays Felix Leiter. And it's funny, they brought Bernie Casey to play Felix Leiter in other Bond movies. Uh-huh. That wasn't the only one. So it's curious that they got him from the unofficial production. Edward Fox was M. He was a very uptight M. And Alec McCowan was Q. And there was a Pamela Salem was Miss Moneypenny. Those are the main characters. Yeah. So, so um, yeah, Never Say Never Again was a remake of, of Thunderball, where it was basically like missiles were stolen and they were trying to blow something up with nuclear missiles, that kind of thing. Mm. Um, Dr. No was interesting, and I rewatched it the other day. Because to me, it almost looked like the way it was done. So they didn't have anything yet. There wasn't an official Bond song. It was just the iconic score, right? Like, dun-dun-dun-dun-dun-dun-dun-dun-dun-dun-dun. And every time, like, there was almost a scene change, Uh that music would start playing. Mm. And it was almost done like they had just come from commercial break. It was almost like they were going to make it into a TV serial. Yeah. One thing I did find interesting with that, when I listened to that song in it, because I was talking about it this morning, and I, the guitar in that, the guitar in that, you know, the wow, 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 no, 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 no. I'm listening to it and I'm thinking, like, that's 1962? Yeah. I'm like, that seems really ahead of its time. Like, yeah. That oh, distorted yeah. guitar in 1962 to have this flangy, distorted guitar sounds very what we come to think of later on, the cool guitar, like, yeah, and the waka, like, and yeah, like, yeah. But in like 1962, seems really early for that. Yeah. This pre, like, you know, pre-rock music. Yeah. Really. Yeah, 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 for sure. So that, that was interesting. They're like, huh. Yeah. That they would use that. And also what was funny is the opening scroll, the the, the classic Bond thing, you know. The where he walks across and shoots the... Yeah, where he walks across and shoots. He has a hat in it. Yes. And it looks really weird. It looks like, very weird. Oh, and so not only... Bond. And it wasn't, it wasn't even... No, he, he famously always has a hat on because whenever he walks into the office... He throws a hat on a hat yeah, rack. Yeah, 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 yeah. You never see him wear a hat yeah, yeah. in the movies, but for some fucking reason, he always yeah. has a bowler or, or, or like a top hat yeah. when he walks in to talk to Money Penny yeah, yeah. and tosses it on the hat rack. And you're yeah. like, wait, what? 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 Where did the hat come from? Yeah. Um, the other thing with that iconic one where he goes and shoots, and that's supposed to be from the inside of the eye, and it gets bloody and it waves and falls down. If you actually watch it, and I was kind of paying attention to it. When he turns around and does it, he does it so clumsily. If you go back and watch it again, the gun fires off like to the left of the camera somewhere. And he kind of just like he's never fired a gun before, which yeah. chances are he probably never had. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it goes up to the side. And then if you watch like Lazenby's, Lazenby's was so much more athletic. And yeah, I know yeah. it sounds stupid, but just watch it. The way he kneels and he drops and you're like... Did this guy have military training? I mean, it's like, the gun is like right on, you know. Um, Dalton's was really good too. Like even Roger Moore's initial ones were kind of off to the side, but then somebody, I guess somebody was just like, you got to do it this way. And, and, and one them, I forgot who, one of them looks like he's about to crack a whip. One of them has his arm out. Maybe that's Roger Moore. I, I no, I think, like, oh, that's true. I, there's like a, it's almost like a, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's the Austin Fossey Powers hands. He's doing fun. Yeah. Jazz hands. Jazz da, 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 da. hands. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Like, like he's auditioning for cats. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, I think that might have been more. It might have um. been Connery too, actually. But that definitely sounds like a more yeah. flair. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah. It, anyway. So the two movies are, one, first of all, Dr. No, 
And, and let's just say that straight up front, and I think we said in the last ones, these movies do not age well. No, no. They are so terribly sexist. Yeah. They're so terribly racist. I mean, any kind of ist you yeah. want to talk about, these movies are them. They just do not age well. And it's interesting that, like, I guess back in the day, it was almost a dream as a filmmaker to have an audience of, like, the early 60s audience because basically they'll sit through anything. Yeah. Because it's really slow. Yes. Yeah, but I was reading up on it and they said that it basically created the action movie genre. Yeah. Before Dr. No, there wasn't really a film like that. No. Um, I can't think of it. I was like, that was the action movie genre? Because I watched this and if this came out now... I'd be like, this would be like a slow burning, terrible, like, you know, political espionage. Which, thing. which we'll bring up when we get to down to the next match in the lower brackets, and, and I'll I'll bring that up again. But the, you're right; the movie starts off really slowly, and the interactions are bizarre. Yeah. First of all, they must have had tons of like, um, uh, 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 uh. uh what am I saying? Sponsors from uh-huh. cigarettes. Oh yeah, because it seemed like every chance they got, Connery was lighting up. He wasn't drinking so much, and that was interesting because the later ones you see people have done whole articles about how the amount of alcohol James Bond drinks in the movies. You know, like he's a definite alcoholic, and he should not be driving. He should not be doing anything. <laughs> right. But not to know, he only that I can remember, he only has like two drinks. And they're days apart. They're not even close. But he is constantly smoking. There's a, there's a list actually somewhere on who drinks the most. Yeah, yeah. And I think I think Daniel Craig yeah, I think he might be the most. most. If not the most in a... Because he's not always drinking martinis. He drinks beer. He's drinking Carlsberg. He drinks everything. I want to say per... Like, they, they broke down like who drank the most in a movie... Yeah. And then who drank the most in a movie in a short span of time? And I think Daniel Craig got the the most in a short span of time. Yeah. Well, Casino Royale spends a lot of time in casinos. But he probably always has drink in his hands. Yeah. Or it might have been actually uh, Lazenby that got. Yeah. Because they were like, he drank so much, but he was in one freaking movie. <laughs> it was yeah, like, yeah, what yeah. the hell's going on here? He's <laughs> a good Australian lad. Or yeah. just came back from a rugby game. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Something like that. But yeah, I, I mean, yeah. I'm going to look that up for the next episode so we can see w- what that was. But um, in terms of the two movies, now, Never Say Never Again was, again, it was uh, Connery's basically F.U. to the Saltzmans. Uh-huh. And he did it. And the plot of that movie is he's kind of retired. The new M is is basically not happy with the double O uh, uh Unit, uh, 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 department, whatever you want to call it. And um, so they're testing Bond to go back out into the field. And he does all these war games. And he gets killed. And it's actually really funny um, when M is reviewing it with him. And again, they got a really just like uptight, like... It's fabulous to me, like what the stereotype British archetype is. Like Uh minister... And they find these guys, and these guys play it to a T. It's fabulous. It was like, I want to just meet the actor. And he's probably just like some bloke from Kent that's just like, oh, right, mate, let's go get a beer. You know, it's like kind of like that. It's, but he's like, well, Donald Seven, I'll tell you right now, you know, with the clenched teeth and the teeth never move when you're talking because this is what it is, Donald Seven. And the T's are getting slapped and every consonant is enunciated. And he was great. But in it, uh, um, he one of the war games is 
Bond is supposed to go in and rescue uh, a rich heiress, princess, minister's daughter, something. Yeah. And he defeats, in the exercise, he defeats all the terrorists. And he gets her. And she grabs a gun and kills him. And the minister's giving him a rundown. And he says, well, of course, she's been with him for several weeks. Don't you think she would have turned him already? And I'm like, oh my god. This is where they got the plot for The World Is Not Enough. Oh, okay. Yeah, 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 yeah. Because that was basically the plot of The World Is yeah, Not yeah, Enough. Yeah. A rich heiress is kidnapped by a terrorist, kept for a few weeks, yeah. Yeah, is yeah. quote-unquote rescued, but in the end, she turns out she wants to kill everybody that didn't want to, like her father, uh, uh, M, who didn't want yeah. to give money to the terrorist to rescue her, yeah, and yeah. she's in love with the terrorist. Huh. And I was just like... Is this where they got the idea for the movie? Because it's literally from Never Say Never Again, the unofficial one. Yeah. And that's the plot. It's just like a, a little scene in the movie and then he describes it. And I was just like, that's the plot to the world is not that enough. Makes sense. So I was saying to you earlier, like, I, I, when I was reading up on that, because I didn't see Never, see Never Say Never Again, but they, for some reason, whatever, that they were going to remake it again. The, the guy who had the, the rights still retain the rights the whole time doesn't have any more it, it, it rolled back over to uh, uh, Eon now I think they own it now oh okay um, but it the uh, he was going to remake it again the same story in the 90s with Timothy Dalton right and then it fell through so that's so a different script another script was flying around somewhere in the 90s and it didn't happen right so it wouldn't surprise me if by the time it got to well it's not enough and they probably then retained the rights probably got the rights back and probably had the draft or whatever that next movie was going to be. Right. Then they probably went like, oh, let's take this thing. Yeah. Yeah, maybe. It wouldn't surprise me. I bet they'd never even seen, like, Never Say Never Again. And, like, the script for the new one just ended up being, like, an asset that they had. And they were like, oh, okay. And, like, oh, let's just use some of this. Yeah. Well, all right. So I'm going to give a short summary of the plots. Yeah. For those people that don't know or haven't watched it. Dr. No is Strangways, the British Intelligence, SIS, station chief in Jamaica is killed. In response, British agent James Bond, also known as 007, is sent to Jamaica to investigate the circumstances. During his investigation, Bond meets Quarrel, a Cayman fisherman who had been working with Strangways around the nearby islands to collect mineral samples. One of the islands was Crab Key, home to the reclusive Dr. No. Bond visits the island where he meets a local shell diver, Honey Rider. The three are attacked by No's men who kill Quarrel using a flamethrowing armored tractor. Bond and Honey are taken prisoner. Dr. No informs that he is a member of Spectre, the Special Executive for Counterintelligence, Terrorism, Revenge, and Extortion. Revenge. I love that that would be in there. It's almost believable to you if it were Avengers. Yeah, exactly. And he plans to disrupt the Project Mercury space launch from Cape Canaveral with his atomic-powered radio beam. Bond and Honey escape from the island, killing No and blowing up his lair in the process. That's the plot for that. But to show you exactly how slow Dr. No is, is... To the point where you say, in that explanation, and it's like, very near the beginning of the explanation, you say like, oh, and then they meet Honey Diver, a shell collector. That is literally like an hour and 20 minutes into the film. Yes. At the point they do yeah, that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. An hour and 20 minutes already happened. So you have like two lines of plot. Yeah. Like nothing. It's, it's been an hour it's... and 20 minutes setting everything up. It's true. It, you're right. Bond isn't even in it. The way the, it, the way the minutes. way it the way it builds, it's a really, really, really slow burn, 
almost to the point where you expect it to be a horror movie. He has three bongos before he even gets to Honey Rider. It's true. It's true. <laughs> he has the secretary that works for Strangways. Yeah. Who they're supposed to sell as that she was Chinese and she had blue eyes and it was kind of like, what? Yeah. You know, and you look at like who the actors and Dr. No was supposed to be half Chinese and it's just like, and like I said, it was just like, <laughs> talk about whitewashing. <laughs> it yeah. was really, really bad. Um, who was the other girl? Oh, the girl that he was just in a club in London when they called him in to give him the assignment. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He, he was in a casino in London, and she ended up in his apartment just wearing a shirt and putting a golf ball in his apartment. Yeah. And I'm like, man, government jobs in the UK pay fucking well, because he literally had like a 4,000 square foot penthouse apartment. It was like, what are they paying Bond? Yeah. Like, by the, by the pound? What are they paying <laughs> him? What the hell? You know? And I mean pound by weight, not pound yeah. British currency. <laughs> so, yeah, it was really, really, it was really slow going and then a bunch of action. I will say this, though. Acting-wise, they definitely did try in that first one. Yes. Because, like I said, some of the later Bonds, it was just like, this is just terrible. It wasn't cheesy. They weren't playing it for no. laughs. There was a real sense of danger yep. the whole time. It wasn't campy. Well, some of it was campy simply because it was just so damn racist. Oh, yeah, yeah. Like, the way they had the actors act, and, and, you know, it was just like, what the fuck, what is going on here? Yeah, yeah, You know? Um, and Never Say Never Again, because it's a remake of Thunderball, and if you don't know, I'll read the short plot summary here. Bond investigates the hijacking of two cruise missiles with live nuclear warheads, which had been taken by Spectre. He meets Domino Patachi, the pilot's sister, and her lover, Maximilian Largo, Spectre's number one. Hello, Austin Powers. Yeah. Who directly responds to Blofeld. Following them to France, Bond informs Domino of her brother's death and subsequently finds his MI6 colleague killed by Fatima Blush, another Spectre agent. Bond kills her. In a spectacular fashion, I might add. You didn't see it, no. so I'm going to describe it in a bit. Yeah. Bond and Felix Leiter then attempt to board Largo's motor yacht, the Flying Saucer, in search of the missing nuclear warheads. Bond becomes trapped and is taken with Domino to Palmyra, Largo's base of operations in North Africa, but Bond subsequently escapes with Domino. The two agents ambush Largo while he is placing one of the bombs. That's the plot. So, that movie, like I said, in the beginning it starts and talks about Bond being old and whatever, and they sent him to, they sent him to a, um, like a spa gym thing to get into shape. Yeah, yeah. And it, where the action gets initiated, some bruiser comes and tries to kill him and Bond kills him. And he sees Fatima Blush, like, whipping the shit out of a guy, and she's dressed as a nurse. Uh -huh. And this is the pilot that's getting his, uh, uh, he's getting, like, uh, his cornea changed uh -huh. so that it's read as the president of the U.S. is uh -huh. cornea, so he could have access to the nuclear weapons that are, like, on a plane. Yeah. And his sister is the, becomes, is the domino that Bond, um, uh, goes, which ends up being, uh, what's her face? Kim Bassinger. Uh -huh. Her brother is the one who dies. Fatima Blush. So Q, of course, gives him a thing. And he's walking him through Q uh, 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 quarters. And for those of you that don't realize what the Q stands for, it stands for quartermaster. And he's supplying him with all these things. And he's showing Bond all these gadgets. And he's got a little bit of the sniffles. And they're going through and Q is showing him, this is for this and this is for that and this is for this. And Bond picks up this thing. That's about the size of a chapstick. And it's kind of shaped like, like a tampon. And he says, he says, what does this do? This. You take in two fingers, 
shove it up your nostril, squeeze the other nostril in, inhale. And it was like a little Vicks inhaler. Oh, yeah, yeah. And I, that was a big joke. Yeah. But anyway, he gives Bond a pen that has a, like basically the pen tip is a missile. It works as a pen, but it's a little missile with a bomb in it. Wow. Yeah. And that's how he kills Fatima Blush. Yeah. Because she goes to shoot him and he fires off the pen and ducks and it kind of hits her. And this is after she's berating him. And she was so over the top. This was like the cheesy part. She's asking, she said, I was the best. Fatima Blush was the best. First of all, she's referring to herself in the third person. So right off the bat, you know, you're off the rails. Like if I walked around just referring to myself as Tomo, like, well, Tomo Lorik does not like this hamburger. Uh-huh. You know, people would be like, all right, guy, let's call the freaking ambulance because, <laughs> you know. Um, <laughs> so, so she says, Fatima Blush was the best you've ever experienced in bed and carrying on. And Sean Connery, and it is a funny line, and it cracks me up. He says, and she says, say it, say it. And she's got a gun on him. He's sitting on the floor. She has him spread his legs because she's going to shoot him in the nuts kind of stuff. And she's like, say it. He goes, well, to be perfectly frank, there was this girl in Philadelphia. And she's like, shut up. You know, she's just screaming this whole funny thing. And he pulls out, she throws him a piece of newspaper that he's supposed to write on now to say, Fatima Blush was the best he's ever had, signed James Bond. So he pulls out his explosive pen and he starts writing. And then, I don't know how he stops and he fires the thing. The little missile hits her and she looks down and he thought she was supposed to blow up, but nothing happened. And of course, Q says to him, it's like, still not fully developed yet, the program. But for some reason, he gives him the weapon anyway. I mean, it'd be like, here, take this car. We haven't figured out how to exactly to what to run it on. But yeah. here, take the car with you. I mean, it's just one of those things. It happens a lot in the films. Yeah. In reality, it's like what would happen is it would be like a school full of uh, children get blown up because of it. <laughs> right. And they're like, oh, oops. Oops. Right, exactly. Untested, uh, yeah. Exactly. And... So he, it hits her, and she's just got a little, little bloody spot. And she starts laughing maniacally, but then all of a sudden flames up like a, like a firecracker that didn't light up right away, and she blows up into a million pieces. <laughs> like, literally. And all they show of her is her shoes yeah. when it's done. And then, of course, he goes and finds... Uh, uh, what's his face? Uh, um, what was his name? Largo, yes. And Domino is uh, uh, Kim, yeah, young, Kim, young Kim Bassinger. I'd be curious to see how young... I think, like, in the movie, she was supposed to be 19. But, um... So what year was this? 1983. 1983. So how old is Kim Bassinger? Let's see what they have to say about Kim Bassinger. Uh... She was in the original Batman. 50... Well, she was born in 53, so in 83 she would have been 30. Oh. So maybe she wasn't playing 19. So she wasn't that young. She just looked good. She looked fantastic. Yeah. She looked like a kid. Yeah. Wow. Okay. Well, I guess that's why she became who she yeah. was. Because at eight, that's how, what she looked like. When, but you know what? I mean, if you go back and one of my favorite, and I think I've mentioned it on the show, one of my favorite movies is uh, L.A. Confidential. Yeah. And she's, and she's just, now granted, part of it is just like the styling because it's supposed to be in the 40s or the 30s or whatever. But she's just. So she'd been pretty much 50 in that. She'd been almost 50 in that movie. Yeah, she was yeah. amazing. Yeah. She was absolutely stunning. I mean, she's a good-looking woman. Anyway, so so in terms of action, it was, it was kind of what you, at that point, expected of the Bond movies. And to be fair, that's already 21 years into making Bond movies. Yeah. And just to kind of put into perspective with, with, with 
uh, uh, adjustment for inflation. The bond movies have brought in some like $14 billion. That's nuts. Uh-huh. Yeah. That's just crazy. Yeah, it, it, is, kind of, it is kind of crazy. Uh, the first, I remember seeing Dr. No, because it looks up, Dr. No cost, the budget for Dr. No was just under a million pounds. Spent just under a million pounds on Dr. No. Wow, back in 62. Yeah, just under a million. And the whole thing was shot on location in Jamaica. The whole thing. There was like well, no sound stages in it, pretty much. No, no, no. It was all. It was pretty much all on location. Mm-hmm. I, I, it was surprising. There were obviously green screenshots, and you could yeah, see yeah. them. But I was actually. I'm glad you brought that up. When I was watching Doctor No, I was like surprised at how many yeah, looked they very like obvious. Film crew on a beach. Like, that's a real beach in Jamaica. Yeah. Like, yeah, 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 yeah. It, it was really impressive, yeah. just like how much they had. And I just love this. This one, like when when the actors do their lines, and they very obviously dub it over in post. If you remember the scene oh, yeah. when the guys come, Dr. No's troop comes, and they're a bunch of Jamaican guys. <laughs> and he sounded like he was in the big boss with Bruce Lee. <laughs> and it was just like, all right, we know you're there. Yeah. Come on out. Otherwise, there's going to be trouble. Are you sure? All right, then we're going to open, fo- open fire. And it was just like, really? Is that what a Jamaican dude from Jamaica sounds like? I was like, I don't think so. It was the most pointless, that big old tank with the Bruce fire out the front. It's like... So silly because they're looking so at it. Silly. See how slow it's moving. It's a very slow moving vehicle, yeah. especially to move sideways. Very slow. Like, <laughs> right. It's a tank. It's like, a tank. It does not move sideways very no. quickly, especially this one. I'm like, so it has because it's got a caterpillar drive. Front, but yeah. that's all it has. I'm like, as long as you just keep running in circles, it's never getting. No, like right. you get on top of it very quickly. And right, but they're very quick to be like, oh, we better surrender. The, the, like <laughs> they've got us. They're about two hundred yards away, and they've got a reach of about like four yards with that flamethrower, and they're going right. one mile an hour. But well, they've got us. They've got us. <laughs> like, there's so many so. like plot holes in that movie. Yeah. Why Coral keeps shooting a tank? <laughs> <laughs> with a handgun <laughs> like a little like bing bing ding bing ding what do you think is going to happen and, and like you said the tank approaches him slow as molasses and then just burns him to a crisp yeah. <laughs> so like sweet. literally and he goes up like a Jamaican man full of rub he's <laughs> <laughs> <was> like boom <laughs> <laughs> that's right like it really would be like ow yeah that's right because they show him of course again stereotypically just drinking out of this not like a s- small snifter that you could fit in your pocket, <laughs> but this two-gallon, like, earthenware jug. Yeah. He's just drinking rum out of that, like he's having oh. water on a hot day. Yeah. And I'm like, my, this is so terrible. And, in fact, before they go to investigate the island, Bond is getting in the boat with Coral, and Jack Lord is there, and he's playing Felix Leiter. And he's like, well, it's like this, Captain. I don't know if I want to go to the island and see this dragon. And Jack Lord says, well, Coral... If you see the dragon just breathe on him, I'm sure you'll knock him down. And Coral just gives him like a side glance, and then they all leave off camera, and he grabs his giant jug again <laughs> and starts drinking. <laughs> Come on, man. It's like, how does this guy even find his ass, let alone an island, yeah. in the middle of the Caribbean? I don't know what the hell's going on. <laughs> so, I mean, overall, like I said, for a first try, and you're just taking it all into consideration... And I mean, short of the cowboy western, which was its own genre, but that's as close to um, an action film that you can get. Yeah. Oh, oh, either it was either a World War II, a war movie, or a, a western. Uh-huh. But they were again, it would be considered a western. Yeah. Or it would be considered a war movie. 
Yeah. There really wasn't anything. No, and there was no, there were no like fights in it. There's no fights. Like there's, there are times when he, when he hits people or knocks them out. Right. There's hitting, but there's no like fights in Doctor No. There's no like I'm fight, we're fighting, and I win. Well, it was, it was toward, it was towards the end when he was like blowing the place up. That was the only time that there was really fights. I was trying to look. For, there was one bit where DC's got any. Just knocks him off a thing. But you know, but what was really interesting is they. I don't know if it's the reason why, or maybe it just didn't exist to the point. Like there was like no fight choreography. There was no like, fight. You know, stunt fight guy involved. No, because if you the the odd times like where he does Connery gets tossed. They 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 toss him whatever. It's very basic. Yeah, there's like one like there's a point where he's getting hit in a chair. He's tied up in the chair and he's like soften him up a little. I'm not finished with him. And I'm watching them do it, and like they're actually making contact with him. Yeah. But it just looks ridiculous. Yes. It's like they don't know how to no. throw a punch no. and not hit him. No. So instead, what they're doing is they're they're making contact, but they're doing like judo chops. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. The guy's like just going, huh, huh. It's uh, it, there was uh, a lot of there was a lot of the double-handed fist throws, like they used to do, which used to crack me up, and I don't know why they did that <laughs> on Deep Space Nine. Like whenever they showed Kira Norris fighting, she would yeah. put her hands together, and I was like, "There's no force coming in that." No. Like seriously, get a punching bag and hit it like that as hard as you can, and then just throw a right cross at it. And I promise you, the right cross will do a hell of a lot more damage than you holding your hands together. It takes your balance. I, like, I grab both your hands, and then like, what do you do then? It's so it's so retarded. It's just, it's just like, why is this a fighting method? It, it makes no sense. Now, if someone's on top of you and you're bringing your fists down, yeah, that's yeah. a different story. But if you're coming like across and trying to give them a gut check like that, the most you're going to make them go is breathe out. I mean, you're really not doing any damage there. Yeah, it's really silly, and and it it, it shows. It, yeah, there's some strange ones, and then like the last strike he has when he's in the chair, the guy knees him in the, in the chest. And it's a very strange move. And I'm like, why'd you do that? It's like he's like, he's like doing bad punches and judo chops, and then he just like knees him like awkwardly in the sternum. Yes. And I'm like, why? Why are you? <laughs> you know what? In the sternum? Yeah, I, now that you brought that up, especially the early Bond movies. The fighting was like when kids play fight in the yeah. playground. Literally, that's what yeah. it was like. There's a little bit of a, there's a little bit of contact, and one <laughs> some point one kid or another will get a little bit of exuberant and slap another kid hard, and then a real fight will come, yeah. and it just becomes a big scrum. That's what the fighting in the early Bond movies was. Yeah, yeah, it, it, yeah. It's a little bit like that, which, <laughs> which I found was kind of confusing. It, it, it really was. There's there's one point where he chokes the guy out, and I'm like, oh great, but he doesn't do that for the rest of the film. I said to you earlier, there's one point where he kills a guy, just he's like stealthy guys come out and he kills him and he's like, he's like, out of the water, yeah. Neck or some shit and then just lets him fly off. And he's like, what? She's like, why'd you do that? He's like, I had to. And then like half an hour later, you see him come up behind a guy and choke him out. Yeah. Just knock him out. I'm like, well, just have done that then. Why didn't you do that? Why didn't you slice the guy's neck? There are dogs running around in this lake. And right. you just slice this guy's neck and there's it's, blood everywhere. It's the recurring theme, and you brought it up in the last <laughs> episode. The recurring theme is James Bond is the world's biggest psychotic. Like, very oh, simply. Yeah. He just doesn't which, think he just acts completely impossible. Which, 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 quite frankly, puts the character on a real reality base. Yeah, yeah. So, <clears throat> so yeah, I mean, the movies... Were, so, in terms of which one is better than the other... 
Like I said, a lot of it was you could see they weren't quite sure where they were going with the first Doctor No. Yeah. And like I said, to me, it seemed like almost they wanted to make a, a series out of it. Uh-huh. As opposed to like a, a, a movie, a feature. But in terms of imagination, like you said, there's really nothing like it before. No. There were mysteries, you know, there they were... They set it up. Like, so the whole Doctor No element and the layer... Yeah, it's all it, it's very it's brilliant. Like the when they sh- when they show the blow up, you could very obviously see it's a mock up, like a very small mock up when they blow it up. Yeah, and there's a lot of the the typical James Bond. There's a lot of moments in Doctor No where I'm like, oh, that's like Austin Powers to me. Like, yes. there's so many silly, yes. unnecessary, very, things. very, very. I yes. loved how like when they first come into the place where they've been taken, they go this crazy decontamination thing. Yeah, straight out of Austin Powers. Yep, decontaminating like crazy for like. Way long. The scene is like 10 minutes long, decontaminated. Right. To really hit home the point that this guy's OCD about nuclear, you know, Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Like, okay, fair enough. So they go through that. It's also an excuse to sort of see them a little bit naked. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then, and, and which is really weird. And it's basically just a shower. At one point, they're like, the normal case doesn't work. And then they're like, we're going to go yeah, use the, the high-powered nuclear jets or something. We're like, oh, and you expect them this? Oh, it's going to be horrible. Like, they're going to be like... <sighs> And it's a shower. And then <laughs> right. soap. And they're just going, do, 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 do. <laughs> on a conveyor oh, line. Yeah. On a conveyor <laughs> line. Like, what? <laughs> and there's like this like analog little thing that just says like, good, good. And it's like, bad, bad, good. Yeah, yeah. It's That's like, right. Ding. On the conveyor line, it's, it's almost like if you put a gauge on the toaster in a sandwich place. Yeah. When they put the thing on one end of the toaster and it keeps rolling. Like, warm, hot. Yeah. Toasted, now you're ready. It's yeah. <laughs> just like, yeah. it's just like, it's so extreme. Like, it's just strange. And it's so funny to see all the things, like you said, straight out of Aston Powers when they wake him up. Yeah. <laughs> Edna Mole in The Incredibles with yeah. her little, like, it's the same getup, you know, when she tests the suits. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and it just kind of goes through all the iterations, like the same idea along there. So, it's, I mean, like, look. So silly. I love that. And the crazy, like, the hotel, the luxurious rooms. It, which is all pointless. I don't understand. I was like, I was shaking my head. I'm like, whoa, whoa, whoa. So he's like, oh, he's like, oh no, we've, we've been waiting for you. We have this amazing room. And then make yourself at home. There's all this amazing luxury. Like, great. First they do, sit down, have coffee, breakfast. They're knocked out. They've been drugged. I'm like, why? <laughs> what was the point of that? And then, and then I'm like, oh, because then they're going to just take them somewhere else. I'm like, no. Someone then just like scoops them into bed and puts them in pyjamas and puts them there it's, and then they just wake up on their own they're like oh it's not time for dinner now like, what was the point of drugging them like that it's so silly I imagine especially like when the movie came out right 1962 this is the height of the Cold War right yeah. clandestine operations are all over the world we're we're not quite yet at the Cuban Missile Crisis I would imagine these spies eventually like whether CIA British Intelligence KGB whatever intelligence service around the world was watching this movie yeah. and they must have been killing themselves with laughter either killing themselves with laughter or calling home base and be like okay guys you need to upgrade where the fuck i'm staying because yeah. i live in a dumpster in <laughs> saigon in you know outside a fucking restaurant and i get like hot oil dumped on me every day this dude is having champagne and freaking beluga caviar what <laughs> what's going on here yeah it's- i've spent the last four years of my life mastering Russian, Ukrainian, right, and this guy's just walking around with this Scottish accent, just like everyone's every once. But here's here's my favorite part, and they, <laughs> and they show it again with Lazenby when he like first goes in. 
He goes into a hotel. First of all, how? why does he get, like, the presidential suite? I don't know. Like, who the fuck is this guy? Yeah. But every hotel, like, manager knows him. So Bond and Dr. No walks into a hotel in Jamaica. And as far as we know, this is his first time in Jamaica. Because he doesn't know anybody there. He's introduced to everybody. Yeah. It's like, oh, this is, this is a man from the home office. It's like, oh, please to meet you, James Bond, Jabalo Shaban. You know, he did the, Okay, so this is his first time. He walks into a restaurant... And a waiter walks up to him. Uh, here's your vodka martini, sir. Uh, yeah. Shaken, not stirred the way you want it. And it's just like, oh, thank you very much. When did I get when that info? Was that a memo that gets passed along? Oh, so when is the, the James Bond 007 thing? Like, it's very confusing. So I'm like, surely it's one or the other. Like, surely one is the secret code so you don't know the other one. You're going around saying, like, my name is James Bond the, 007. That's... I'm like, so now they know your name. That is your real name. But, and they also know your cosign, which is your secret... So well, people don't well, know who you are. Well, they don't know the 007, but they know James Bond. Yeah. And that, you're like, you're a secret agent. Nobody should know your real name. That he, they he never have... used a fake name ever. No, no, no. no. James Bond always uses his Every name. once in a while. And they brought that home, actually, with Casino Royale with uh, Craig. Oh, okay. When he comes in. And he says, name is Bond. And Vesper Lynn is, like, pissed. She's like, oh, why don't you just tell everybody who we are? He says, if he is who he says he is, he already knows who I am. So this is just me letting him know that I know who he is. Yeah. And in that sense, it was like, oh, okay, fair enough. I get that. But in, in uh, uh, Her Majesty's Secret Service, Lazenby is in a hotel in Italy or something like that, or Spain. I, I forget where he is. And the guy walks in, he walks in, and the hotel manager is like, oh, Commander Bond, welcome. How are you? And I'm like, wait a minute. Command? He knows his military rank? Yeah. What the hell? <laughs> Why is he getting the presidential suite? You know, a commander in the British Navy. Why is he getting the presidential suite? It's you, interesting we've never seen in any of the Bond movies his military background, like him in the military years. It's odd that we've never seen that. I'm surprised they haven't done it. That, that to me, we've talked, if they made it, like like I said, when they were talking about who's going to be the next Bond, if they did an anthology series, they could totally do that. Yeah. You know what I mean? Just go and... and you made and, it all the way up to commander? Like, that's incredibly high. <sighs> I mean, it might be part of, well, in the military, if you go to OC, uh, officer. Oh, yeah, 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 He would have gone to, yeah. He was an orphan so, and he went straight to like. So, like, right off the bat, you're like career. first rank as lieutenant. Yeah, yeah. Because as an enlisted, you only get as high as sergeant. Yeah, yeah. And then you become sergeant gunnery and whatever the highest sergeant is. You know, or chief. In the, in the Navy, you become chief. Yeah. That's the highest rank you get if you're not a, an officer. Yeah. So. But okay, so like in in terms of the two movies, I would I would give Doctor No an edge, simply because it's the originator, it's it's the number one. Um, never say never again might have been a better plot, but when you like I said, it's just such an originator, and you could see so many movies and so many ideas basically coming, and not just in the Bond movies. Yeah. I'm talking in in like movies in general, like all the like clandestine stuff. I mean. Mission Impossible, the TV show in the U.S., is straight from Dr. No. Yeah. You know, that whole idea. <clears throat> and then, you know, Tom Cruise's franchise. I mean, all of these things, I, I would give Dr. No the, 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 the nod here. Yeah, you have to. It's the original one. <clears throat> it's the iconic, you know, there are iconic scenes in it. Very, you know, there are nods to little things. that Even the things that are inconsequential in this movie become so big later on. Yeah. Like, it's the one time of the drink, the martini. Mention it once. They don't even make a big deal of it. And that right. becomes such a big thing. Yeah. 
there's like right at the end he goes to save her and she's like chained up in the water and this like ridiculous like method of like trying to kill her and it's like five seconds done and then like all these things become tropes later mm-hmm. on and in this movie it's just all peppered with these little setups yep. but it's almost like the guy who made it was like no this other stuff is going to be the real key this stuff is just I just did it for fun right like, right right no what's going to be the real hallmark <laughs> is the slow burning hour and a half we spent just walking around Jamaica <laughs> Talking to people, making contacts. Right. Like, yeah, that's what we'll be really getting. <laughs> All right. So, Doctor No uh, goes next. So down, then, then we have the eighteen versus the twenty-three, which is Tomorrow Never Dies versus the Living Daylights. Now, in terms of songs, we talked about this earlier. Yeah. Doctor No has no song. No. It's just the iconic score, right? Yeah. Never Say Never Again has a song, and it's shit. Yeah. It's shit. It was like the early 80s in particular. Um, Sheena Easton is probably the most famous of the singers. And not because at the time she did the song, but later on when she hooked up with Prince and whatever. Like yeah. she, for a while in the late 80s, Sheena Easton was huge. And she was advertising like Jack Lalane gyms because she was super fit, you know, and a gorgeous woman and a whole nine yards. Yeah. And she got like a bunch of movies. Scottish. Bits. Also Scottish. Just lovely woman. Gorgeous. The whole nine. Um, Hers was the biggest name. So in, in the lower tier brackets, it's really a view to a kill. The Living Daylights and Tomorrow Never Dies that have any songs worth of mention. I, I should say yeah. that in the entry playlist, License to Kill, the song was done by Gladys Knight, believe it or not. Uh-huh. But it was not very memorable. Yeah. Because once they hit... Like, once they had that huge... I mean, View to a Kill was a huge hit. Yeah. And they basically got Duran Duran kind of on their downslope of their explosion. And then in the next one, they got the Living Daylights. And then that became a thing, to just get big acts to do the Bond song. Yeah. Li- License to Kill, it was like this kind of soul song, but nothing very memorable. If you see the early 70s ones... There's a man with a golden gun. And it's just like, oh my yeah. God. It's like, I can't like, skip, 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 skip. <laughs> yeah. The songs are so 70 schlocky uh-huh. trying to be sold. They're so bad. And like I said, it goes up through the 80s up until you get to a view to a kill. And all of a sudden you're just like, wait, this is nice too. This is kind of poppy. This is kind of dancey. It's interesting because from Russia with Love, which I haven't spoken to yet, that's one of the better ones. And that's uh, interesting the way they do it because they don't have it in the beginning. They have it. He's listening to it. He's like, and they hum it throughout. People are like just humming the song and you just hear it incidentally throughout the movie. Like I'll, playing. I'll, I'll have to listen to From Russia With Love again. Well, the other one in the 70s that was great was obviously um, uh, 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 Live and Let Die. Oh, oh yeah, yeah. That's probably the best one. Maybe the most memorable. I don't know. Well, no, not necessarily, but maybe the best so- song in its own that's not a Bond song. The best like standalone song that you can just listen to as a song and not even necessarily know was a Bond song. Yes. Is probably that. Um, I, I, you know what? I, to, as of right now, and I haven't looked carefully at the song, as of right now, to me, Live and Let Die and A View to a Kill are kind of neck and neck for the Bond songs. There's a lot. I Rush with Love I like, but it's Matt Monroe's classic, but it was also it was written by Lionel Bart. Pops up in the credits. Huh. By Lionel Bart, who, did, who made Oliver. Uh, was the man behind Oliver. The musical, mm. did mostly musicals, Lionel Bart. And then he came up with Rush with Love. Huh, I, I have to listen to Russia with Love and see it. But that's in the Sweet 16 anyway, so we'll figure that out. Yeah, yeah. Okay, Tomorrow Never Dies, which is um, Pierce Brosnan 
And that was his... That was the second. That's the second. Yeah, that's the second one. And The Living Daylights is the first Timothy Dalton one. Survivor Dies, no, seven. Okay, so I was, it was my eighth birthday. I went to go see Survivor okay. Dies. And, the, and uh, cinema. like I said, The Living Daylights, Timothy Dalton, the, his intro. I was excited when it came out. That came out in 87. Yeah. And again, song-wise, that was a good song. The Living Daylights by Aha. They try to capture that like yeah. new wave. But it was already too late. It was 87. It was like hip-hop was really starting to have a, 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 a awakening. Definitely in the U.S., yeah. Uh, Media-wise, now if you were into hip hop, hip hop has been around since the late '70s. But in '87, that's when it really like caught on for the mainstream, yeah. you know, um, media and all that. Um, speaking of psychotic, and this is this is the one. Like, and and I said it earlier, he's having a mission. They're supposed to uh, um, penetrate the radar installation in Gibraltar. The SAS is waiting for them. Three double O's go on the mission. One guy gets caught by the SAS right away. Another guy gets killed by some random dude. And you figure out, oh, he's an assassin. And he sends him a little sign that says, Smrtspionem, which is like a Russian thing that says, Death Despised. And Timothy Dalton's 007 figures out and goes chasing after him. Uh, The dude runs over several soldiers, SAS soldiers on the way. And long uh, 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 um, uh, 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 a car chase with Dalton hanging onto the roof and trying to fight this guy. They go flying off a cliff. Dalton, they all get to the installation by jumping out of a plane. Dalton somewhere along the way had enough time to fold his parachute back into his pack. So as the truck goes flying off the cliff, he pulls his thing and goes flying out of the uh, truck and the assassin gets killed. Yeah. Dalton lands, there happens to be a big luxurious yacht with a pretty woman talking on her phone and saying, oh, I don't know. I... This is nothing but tennis pros and playboys here. I wish a real man would come into my life. And then Dalton lands on the roof, rolls down. He says, I need to borrow your phone. And he takes the phone from her and he says, she'll call you back. And then flops down and he calls her, hello, this is Bond. I will pop back in about an hour. And the girl woman looks at him and she hands him, won't you join me? And he says, better make that too. And I'm like, okay, you just went on this adrenaline rush where you killed a dude after this dude killed a friend of yours, yeah. presumably because you guys are double O, right? You'd be t- tight as thieves. <laughs> he killed your friend. He killed several soldiers. You just barely escaped with your life, and you have to report right away to figure out what's going on. Let's 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 find the facts as soon as we can. Ah, that can wait. This is just a random chick I met. I need to have like some num nums with her. I think that's probably the most impressive thing about Bond when you consider it. Is that even under the craziest of stressful circumstances, he can maintain an erection? <laughs> right, right. He's like, you know what? Yeah, that sounds good. Let's let's do that. That's pretty much amazing <laughs> that he can do that. It almost makes you want to like be like a journalist and go to like Iraq and watch all these guys fighting <laughs> and wait for someone's best friend to get shot in the head by the Taliban and then, and then around, bring out a stripper. And be like, now is this a good time? Put like you porn and the thing. He's like, hey, feeling good? And just see how the guy responds to that. <laughs> right. Could you talk one of right now? <laughs> Could you write? <laughs> <laughs> Could you give, give us a good wang? Come on, then. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That, you're, you're absolutely right. I never thought of it that way. That, that is the most impressive yeah. thing about Bond. Yeah, I mean, that's really... He really should go in the porn industry. He's made because, a lot of money. Because look, <laughs> that's how he <you> forced the <laughs> apartments. <laughs> 
He has a network worldwide. Yeah. He probably like was it's selling porn from day one. Absolutely. Was, oh. oh my god. Yeah. That's the secret to his wealth. You're yeah. absolutely right. Yeah. He's an undercut. He was stunt wood. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god. That's you're absolutely right. He is totally an undercover <laughs> porn star. That's how he affords all those flat. Because, yeah. I mean, you you go online, you see all these porn guys, and they got Lambos and giant mansions. Like, you made, like, four pornos. How the hell do you have this much money? But, you know, everyone worldwide yeah. is downloading and beating off, and... Yeah. Oh, my God, you're yeah. so right. That is the real it secret is. 007. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. Anyway. <laughs> so, uh, shall I read the plots for these two? Did you see Tomorrow Never Dies? That's the one with Michelle Kwan. Yeah, that's my. That's that's the first, that's. Uh, it was probably the first. Well, actually, no. I, I would watch God Knights. I already. Uh, I went. Like I said, I went to see. I went to see Tomorrow Never Dies for my eighth birthday. Uh, I spent my eighth birthday watching Tomorrow Never Dies. Uh-huh. I watched it in a double bill. We went to the movie theater with my friends. I saw Tomorrow Never Dies, which is what we're planning on seeing. Uh-huh. And we, my dad messed up the times, uh-huh. and we got there way too. Uh, it wasn't on for like three hours after we got there. So we ended up watching Bicentennial Man. Oh my God. And then straight after we saw Tomorrow Never Dies. We okay. saw a double bill of Bicentennial Man, Tomorrow Never Dies, which most people probably never done. I spent my eighth birthday doing that. Dude, that was... that. Well, that actually explains a lot about you right now, I have yeah. to say. <laughs> <laughs> Very good. Thank you, Papa Quigley, for that. One of my favorite songs, actually. One of my personal favorite songs is Tomorrow Never Dies. It's uh, Shania, not Shania Twain, Cheryl Crow. Cheryl Crow. Cheryl Crow. Really? I, really I didn't like think much song. of the song. I like that. Tomorrow never. Dun 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 dun. I I I. I, I, like I it. Tomorrow never dies. Living daylights. Um, tomorrow never dies. That's right. You said you're, you 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 saw Bicentennial Man, uh, Bicentennial Man, and Tomorrow Never Dies in a double feature. Yeah. The Living Daylights. Like I said, was Dalton's first one, and I was looking forward to it. I was excited about a new Bond. I watched it again the other day, and I understand why it wasn't well received. Uh-huh. The action scenes are interminably too long. Yeah, it's almost as if they made the movie, and Broccoli and whoever decided, no, we need more footage. Just leave all the scenes. Because, you know, when they shoot these scenes, they shoot so much more than what's there. And then they just, you know, edit it out. And these scenes were just, like, way too long. Yeah. Like, so long that the fact that they were action didn't matter anymore because they've gone on for too long. Like, literally, uh, that, you know, I mean, if you watch uh, um, Mission Impossible, the scenes are nuts, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But they last three minutes. Yeah. You know, after all sorts of death-defying stunts. There was a battle scene where they're on a Russian base in Afghanistan fighting. It, it must have been like 15 minutes of the movie. Yeah. It was just like, what? <laughs> Why is it so long? And so, and I liked what Dalton himself was doing as Bond. Because again, they were trying to gear up towards the reality of like what an agent would be and how clever he would be. And like, you'd have to be super smart. Yeah. You have to be on top of your game. Like... Always, yeah. literally. Um, Tomorrow Never Dies, on the other hand, and I think we mentioned this uh, uh, in the last one, is so timely for today that it was it was actually a little bit of a surprise when I saw it, and they were showing it. They were showing they were doing a Bond um, uh, a, a marathon on TBS or something. Because here's the, here's the plot for Tomorrow Never Dies. 
Bond investigates the sinking of a British warship in Chinese waters, the theft of one of the ship's cruise missiles, and the shooting down of a Chinese fighter plane. He uncovers a link to media mogul Elliot Carver, which suggests that Carver had purchased a GPS encoder on the black market. Bond encounters Chinese agent Wai Lin, played by Michelle Kwan, who is also investigating the matter, and the two agree to work together. They discover that Carver had used the GPS encoder to push the British ship off course and into Chinese waters to incite a war for ratings. With the British fleet on their way to China, Bond and Wai Lin find Carver's stealth ship boarded and prevent the firing of a British cruise missile at Beijing. They blow a hole in the ship, exposing it to radar, leading to its sinking, averting war between Britain and China. That's that one. And The Living Daylights is... Bond aids the defection of a KGB officer, General uh, Georgi Koskov, by wounding a female KGB sniper, Kara Milovi, a cellist. During his debriefing, Koskov alleges KB, KGB's old policy of smirt spionum, meaning death to spies, has been revived by General Leonid Pushkin, the new head of the KGB. Koskov is subsequently abducted from the safe house and Bond is ordered to kill Pushkin. Bond tracks down Milovi and establishes she is Koskov's girlfriend and that the defection was staged. He subsequently finds out that Koskov is a friend of the arms dealer Brad Whitaker. After meeting Pushkin and faking his assassination by Bond, Bond investigates a scheme by Koskov and Whitaker to embezzle KGB funds and use them to purchase diamonds, which they then use to purchase drugs. After Koskov purchases the drugs, Bond destroys them. Koskov is subsequently arrested by Pushkin while Bond kills Whitaker. So, for those of you that aren't following, that's okay. unfollowable anyway. Yeah. But, <laughs> I mean... Tomorrow, uh, the, like I said, the Living Daylights, I liked what they were doing. The unbelievable thing was, Koskov's girlfriend's a cellist, uh -huh. and she's a wonderful cellist, like very good. And then she ends up like in Afghanistan with a bunch of Mujahideens uh -huh. and Bond, and she's riding a horse and punching guys and driving jeeps, yeah. and just like fighting like she's a trained agent. I'm like, she's a cellist. Yeah, the, I, I remember seeing on Netflix the description of the films that it's only like a sentence long and that one I remember that was very strange because it was like Bond assists the defection of an agent uh, um, while fighting a beautiful sniper <laughs> I was like huh? What? what? Fighting a beautiful sniper? <laughs> right I'm like what the hell? That is the strangest it, It's it's <laughs> like I said the story Line is okay, and it's clever with the twists, with yeah. the, you know, the triple cross and all that. But the action sequences are interminably too long. Like I said, I like what Dalton was doing. He, he was trying to bring some gravity to the fact that he was an agent kind of stuff. But it, 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 um, those action scenes were so, so long that they were just like... They were boring after a while. It's like things were blowing up and people were getting shot and it was just boring. Yeah. Whereas Tomorrow Never Dies was fun and we mentioned it on the last uh, uh, podcast. Some of the parts were like really ridiculous like where they find a brand new BMW motorcycle on a market in Saigon somewhere, you know, <laughs> like a cruiser that he and Michelle Kwan ride. But that's the one where they first earnestly tried to make it like where the female agents are really, really good. With Michelle Kwan, and she didn't fall for his shit, you know, and like always, like whenever he tried to make a move on her, she's like, "Yeah, cool off, buddy." Is it, I think it might be. Is it, I think it's the last Robert Llewellyn movie. Is it the last one? Wh of which one? Robert Llewellyn as Q. Desmond Llewellyn. One? Desmond, sorry, yeah, Desmond Llewellyn. This is last one. If it's not, it's the second to last one. 
You know what? That's a good question. Um, I thought I thought he was the last Bond in the last in the last uh, Brosnan in the last Brosnan movie. No, no, no they had John Cleese. John Cleese was was key for the last because John Cleese was at least uh, two or three times he was Q, and <coughs> they for Daniel Craig they changed him. No, the last one that he was. Was he well, in well, The not World enough, Is Not then. Enough? I get Well, that would be the last thing if he's not. Because they brought in... I think he might have been in The World Is Not Enough. Well, anyway. So, uh, the... the In terms of the two movies, I would ease... this To me, this is an easy pick, actually. Even though, like, Timothy Dalton, it was, like, the, the, the first one and a new one. Tomorrow Never Dies had a better plotline and an interesting twist that an industrialist, <laughs> yes, Nina, that an industrialist would be able to manipulate the countries this way. Yeah. And like I said, very timely when you think about Fox and Murdoch and, you know, all these corporations and what they do and how much like influence they have now and, and, and that kind of stuff. And they had Terry Hatcher in it. I remember thinking that was odd because at the time she was huge because she was... Lois Lane. Yes. <clears throat> and that's why she was in it. Because I remember... Yes. And I used to love that TV show. Yes, it was a good TV show. Apparently, they're thinking of redoing it. Apparently, they're thinking of bringing it back. Really? Yeah. Having but, like a, a... You know, older adventures of Superman. Okay. With having them both in it. Which is interesting. Maybe they'll do the smart thing and make them the parents. Make them uh, my and Pa Kent. Maybe. Maybe. But... So, I mean, to me, uh, Tomorrow Never Dies is the easy pick here. Yeah. I think. Yeah. Yeah, then, yeah. Then well, I've not daylights. seen The Living Daylights, so I don't know. But Tomorrow Never Dies, I, I remember enjoying. Yeah. All right. So we'll go with Tomorrow Never Dies. Like, uh, in terms of songs, so I like the... DVDs came out. It was the first batch. It was in the first batch of DVDs ever made, that movie. Because my dad got a DVD player uh, for, through work when they first made them commercially. When they first made them commercially available. <laughs> And there was a list that came with the DVD player order mm-hmm. of all the DVDs that were in existence that you could order to go with them. And it was like 30 films or something. And that was every DVD that there was at the time. Right. And that was one of them. We had one of them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was like that, South Park the movie, uh, Meet Joe Black. Oh! Yeah, that was a weird movie. Anthony Hopkins yeah. and, and Brad Pitt. And yeah. who was the daughter? Anthony Hopkins' daughter? Oh, she's got a funny name. She's got a weird name. I, I like her though. She's good. Uh, she's got a weird name. She was in uh, she was in Mallrats as well. In Mallrats? She was in Mallrats, yeah. Oh, I don't know. Yeah, I forgot her name. It's kind know. of strange. Anyway, okay. But yeah. in terms of songs, I would take The Living Daylights over Tomorrow Never Dies. Interesting. Okay. Do you know the song at all? Uh, I can't think of it offhand. Is she in your Eastern one? Is that Sheena Easton? No, uh, Living Daylights was Aha. Oh, oh, well, you said that. Yeah, sorry. Uh, I don't think I do know that off the hand. <laughs> Nina doesn't either. <laughs> Nina doesn't know it either. Well, all right then. So we have, I would say the Living Daylights, but that, that's neither here nor there because we don't have an official listing for that. So what we have then, and I guess we'll finish off the, the, this episode with it, we have determined the finalists in the Money Penny region. And it's Dr. No versus Tomorrow Never Dies. And I, I guess we can vote real quick on which one is better. Because there's not really much to discuss here. Yeah. 
Who do you think? It's actually a little bit of a tough one. It is kind of tough. Because, because Tomorrow Never Dies is a good movie. Tomorrow Never Dies is a better Bond movie, but yeah. it's a kind of unfair because Doctor No didn't even know what a Bond movie was right. when it came out. But having said that, Tomorrow Never Dies is a better movie. It is a better I mean, movie. It is a better movie. It's the better movie. It made more Doctor money. No. Doctor No is more iconic, certainly. Yes, for like sure. Like you just said, things that you remember from James Bond. So in that regard, it's tough because it's like Tomorrow Never Dies is the better movie. But if you think Bond movie and tropes and everything that's a thing, Doctor No is the originator. Them, whereas Tomorrow Never Dies, it got to that point where it's trying to be like postmodern. It was trying to like right. re- remake Bond. <laughs> yep. Like trying to change the corniness and. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, in fact, Tomorrow Never Dies is probably the first one that was trying to take itself slightly more seriously. Like Goldeneye, you could say as well, maybe. The uh, Goldeneye was uh, still a little bit campy. Yeah, it was. Especially still a with the villain, with what's his face. Um, yeah, Sean Bean. No, not Sean Bean. Oh. Uh, 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 um, the the computer he played the Russian computer programmer. Oh yeah, um, yeah, yeah, um, yeah. What's his Nightcrawler. Name? Yeah, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Why can't I think of his name now? And we talked about him before. Alan Cummings. Alan Cummings. Yes. Yeah. 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 So who do we pick? I mean, it is best Bond movies. It is the better movie. It is the better movie. It is the better but movie. I feel like but real Bond nut. Well, let's go with it then. So I said real Bond nuts would probably crucify us for going for Twine of Guys. But I think it's the better movie. I think it's the better we movie. We have to go and watch the better movie, not watch the but, better Bond movie. I mean, that's what we did with the. No, well, no, last I mean, year, I think. technically, it's the, the, the what's the better Bond movie? What is a better Bond movie? Is it Doctor No or Tomorrow Never Dies? I don't really know. I don't know. Like, I, I, I it's really hard. It's hard because, and it's generational as well. It because is. If, if you ask my granddad what's a better movie, he'd say Doctor No. But if you showed a kid now who's never seen a Bond movie what's a better movie, they'd say Tomorrow Never Dies. They wouldn't ever watch Doctor No. They'd be like, <laughs> fall asleep after three minutes out. into it. They'd be like, turn it off. Pee Wee's Playhouse is yeah. on. <laughs> yeah. Um, I mean, I don't want to give Dr. No the, the nod for nostalgia reasons. No. No. No, that's not fair, I think. I think I think we have to go for Tomorrow Never Dies, I guess. Yeah, which I feel bad about in a way. Um, I do too. I'm trying to think of what, what, what's there to bring Dr. No over solidly. I mean, there are iconic moments, but it's not moments that judge a movie, really. But it is a Bond movie, and Bond movies all about iconic. Yeah. I mean, that's how, that, that's how the, 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 the mythos has been established, right? And you could, I don't know, like, you could argue, you could argue everything that was invented, everything that was invented or, like, came up with either by the director, actor, or writer of Tomorrow Never Dies. Right. And anything that was Anything they invented obviously is not in Doctor No because they invented right. it. Right. But if you did it the same way around, if you took everything out of Tomorrow Never Dies right. that was created or invented by either the director, writer, or star of Doctor No, so Sean Connery or the director or the writer of that film, everything that they came up with in that film and remove it from Tomorrow Never Dies, as in it never happened, right. and they try to make Tomorrow Never Dies without anything ever happening in Doctor No could almost argue that you wouldn't have a film like it would be very I'd be very interested to see what soul will be left of that film 
Well, Q wasn't still Q in Doctor No. No, Q just gave Q him a gun. Exist. So Q didn't exist in Doctor No. No, he did. Q makes an appearance. Okay, but, but not he, in the he, way. But not in the way Q is. He just no. gives him a new gun. Yeah, yeah. That's he just, here's it. a new gun. Yeah, last one blocked. Last one blocked in the last mission. We're giving you a new one. Yeah, that was it. Yeah. Uh, and he doesn't even really use a gun in the movie. No, not well. Yeah, not really. No. So, I honestly, that now that you say it that way, yeah. I think Tomorrow Never Dies is the better Bond movie. Yeah. Because I mean, one of the biggest things about Bond movies is all the gadgets. Yeah. And he really doesn't use any in Doctor No. They haven't even. Yeah. Right. It's the same argument you can make about what we did Marvel before about, you know, Avengers Infinity War is a better movie than a lot of the earlier movies are. And even though the early ones created a lot of the gimmick, it's like, yeah, but they kind of perfected it at this point. Yeah. You know? Yeah. So, and even though you want to give praise to the originals because they're the originals. Yeah. You know, I mean, I, I'm so. leaning towards Tomorrow Never Dies and I think you're right. I think Bond aficionados would crucify, will crucify us for this. But I think Tomorrow Never Dies... That's right, Nina. Tomorrow think? never dies. You think tomorrow never dies, or do you think Doctor? I think tomorrow never dies too. What do you think? Nice. <laughs> well, she's very passionate about it. She is. That's right, little one. All right, so let's call it then, folks. Yeah. We're gonna say tomorrow never dies is the money penner, money penny region winner. I'm sorry, it's very stressful for Nina. <laughs> She's very stressed out by the whole thing. She is. All right, folks. Well, thanks for tuning in to this one. Uh, tune in for the next episode. We're going to post our results and go to the M region next time, yeah? Yeah. Talk maybe. to you guys later. Bye, Nina. See ya. Bye. But you know what? I'm saying bye here, but we haven't reviewed the beer. Nina's, Nina's not letting us review our cider. So once again, our cider is Oasis Dry Cider. From Prospect Cider Works, also known as, I guess, Harvard's uh, Cider Company out of Boston, Massachusetts. 6.7% uh -huh. ABV. What did you think, Mr. Sean Quigley? I liked it a lot. Very uh -huh. tasty. As far as ciders go, I thought it was really good. Uh -huh. um, a lot better than I expected uh -huh. it would be. I would give it a, uh, for what it is, judging it based on this cider, I would give it a 4.3. I really enjoyed it. Okay, uh, that, I already like wrote my score in. Yeah. I was giving it a 4.3. Yeah. This, I mean, even, even like on the beer scale, this is something I would, especially if I didn't feel like, like bloating myself too much with, with heavy calories. Yeah. This is a fantastic, and it comes in a nice 16 ouncer and it's a fantastic cider. 4.3 also. So there you go, folks. That that we tried to say bye quickly, but Nina was like, "Hey guys, you didn't review the cider," and yeah, yeah. we had to come back and review the cider, right, Lady Nina? <laughs> She's very happy. She's so very happy. My phone to play with, which I never do. Usually, we immediately take the phone away from her. Uh... But in an emergency time like this, where we needed to quickly review something, I gave her the phone, knowing it would occupy pacify her, her for a couple of minutes. <laughs> All right, folks. Well, there you go. That's episode 57 of our Brackets uh, Challenge, our 2019 What's Going On Here Best Tournament Bond Movies Part 2. And we have Dr. No beating Never Say Never Again, Tomorrow Never Dies beating The Living Daylights, and Tomorrow Never Dies beating Dr. No. 
I know that's going to cause a lot of controversy in Bond circles. Nina's apparently against us with this. She wanted Dr. No. All right, folks. Have a good one. Talk to you next time.